Hello, welcome to another episode of Oilcast. I'm Greg Newman, the CEO of Onyx Capital Group, and today I'm joined with uh, Sarah Jane. She is an analyst, uh, senior associate, I should say, at uh, Onyx Insights. Hi there. So every week we'll be diving into major stories and headlines that uh, affect oil swap markets. Some of the things we're going to be discussing today are the SBR releases, uh, highlights from the research from Sarah, and also a bit more uh, on how traders consume information and a kind of shift towards more digestible infographics and things like that. So a quick reminder before we get started, this is filmed in person, so you can head to our YouTube channel to watch that. Okay, so let's dive straight into it. Um, this week, more of the same theme with oil kind of struggling to perform and kind of coming off very much into the sentiment with SPR releases, not just the US now, China and India trying to coordinate that. Uh, what are your thoughts on that to start with? Yeah, I think it's been, you know, very interesting week. I think it's been very headline driven. And I think, you know, over the course of the last few weeks, especially, I think because the market's been kind of, you know, losing a lot of length, we've been seeing a lot of sell-offs and, you know, crude, but also spanning into oil products as well. So it's, yeah, I think everyone's kind of looking for a direction now. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see kind of coming in the coming week, especially with OPEC plus meeting on December 2nd, mm -hmm. you know, whether, you know, they're going to, you know, maintain their quotas or whether, you know, some analysts are even saying that they may even counteract it and actually decline. Mm -hmm. um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the market's going to react to this. Well, this is it. I mean, at the end of the day, this is, this is policies that are being talked about behind the scenes watching the market, but the market is its own beast. And obviously that's how we really govern our research. So yeah, you just mentioned there like a lot of length reduction in general. I think um, given the kind of positioning uh, before the last say month or so, there's kind of a certainty that we were just gonna go up. Generally speaking, there was this kind of comfort and now it's, that's been shaken. Uh, it's very difficult to predict how the market reacts because there's still clearly a lot of people involved de-risking maybe, then adding risks, covering shorts, these kind of things. Um, and it's just, it's just, we're seeing it across the board, right? So flat price sells off, uh, then you have the SPR releases and it goes up $3. Now to the average uh, like onlooker and certainly OPEC and certainly the US, they would say, okay, the SPR was a failure. But of course we know this is, this is a market reaction, not a, not a fundamental reaction. So I think that we have to say, the sell-off was, you know, maybe on the expectation of SBR, maybe some de-risking of people suddenly not so confident. But once the news is out, it's more of the same thing we've been talking about in the last few weeks. The news is out, everyone's expecting it. So what next? Well, there needs to be more of a bearish headline to get people to continue to sell more. And actually there was nothing else left, you know, so people start buying and then suddenly the price is up and the people who got short on this anticipation need to cover it. So it rallies all the way back. So it's just, now that we're on the way down again, to me, this is just classic trader psychology uh, playing out. And I think we're gonna dive a bit more into that, aren't you, with, with oil swaps kind of happening as well. But just, just um, keeping on the theme of SPR releases, the actual releases themselves. We have this kind of 50 million barrel release from the US, uh, and it's been talked kind of in news agencies and things like that, that it's sour crude only, and that's not light sweet, so it won't affect WTI. But we actually think it, it can affect uh, the global benchmarks, don't we? Because ultimately, gone, yeah. gone. Yeah. So we've this week we've been seeing you know quite a bit of a sell-off in WTI Brent. Mm. 
So, you know, if, you know, the golf course isn't going to be using all this light barrels, those light barrels are going to be heading elsewhere. So they're going to head westward or eastward even um, to the UK and it's going to add pressure to um, Europe on North Sea barrels. Yeah, and that's the particular thing. Like we know that WTI Midlands, the, the kind of US export grade, is a very important stream now into, into the... Northwest Europe, which is obviously where the North Sea oil is delivered into. So it's now, it's always has this structural competing flow, but it's just going to be more now because the Gulf Coast refiners have their sour crude, which they like. That's why they import OPEC. That's why they import Venezuela in the past, Latin American crudes. So they're just getting what they need and they're going to, they can, they can up runs and, and, and be fine. Um, but as you say, the excess has got to go somewhere and the WTI Brent is incentivizing that. But it's actually really the WTI-Houston swap versus the dated swap. That in particular, I think it was around minus 150 last check. Mm-hmm. So that, that we've seen in the past this year be, be a good level to, to ramp up exports. And if there is excess, they're just going to do it, aren't they? So, so it could actually be quite a bit more bearish than people are making it sound, even on a physical basis, because you've now got a hell of a lot of barrels that are going to come into um, the North Sea, compete, and the pressure will be on dated, the pressure will be um, on local refiners who, who have a plethora of options. Mm-hmm. So that's going to that's gonna impact demand, there's, there, there's, there's no doubt. So yeah, I think the other thing, um, just on the kind of the headlines, is, is the Brent spreads as well. Well, actually, and the WTI spreads. So have you noticed it's pretty much exactly the same thing as what we're saying with flat price. You get a sell-off, you get this de-risking, um, the market kind of lightens up because there's been all the kind of longs exiting, a yeah. few shorts, and it's free to bounce back. So all the, the kind of Feb, March, Brent spreads onwards have been getting destroyed uh, day on day on day. And we could talk a little bit about that. But I guess the first thing is, but the prompt spread as we approach expiry at uh, the end of the, what was it, on the 30th, um, it bounced back aggressively, didn't it, as it approached expiry. So it's kind of more of the same theme, isn't it, that, that we're saying? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, um, every Thursday we push out our trader meeting notes um, as part of Onyx Insight. And, you know, when we were conducting our interviews with Onyx quantity traders, it's been very interesting this week, um, especially in our discussion with Crude. So previously we were seeing, you know, a bit of a pricing play on the fiscal and it was really supporting CFDs. Mm. So actually this week we then saw reversal on Wednesday. So then, you know, the usual bidder within bidders, sorry, in the fiscal market were no longer there, and then CFDs, the bids started retreating. So this mm-hmm. then really started actually kind of spooking the market, and then you know we actually saw some weakness in the fiscal and the CFD market. So I think it is kind of you know this could be you know feeling the impact already from these WTI barrels, and it could be the fact that you know this wider weakness is actually you know starting to filter through, and it is. You know, as you're saying, kind of spooking this length in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, furthermore this morning, I think it's even, you know, Brent Futures has gone down even further. And that's with, you know, this, you know, narrative that, you know, as much as the pandemic, we've kind of recovered from it. You know, this new variant, I hate to say it, we all hate to hear it. Um, it's, you know, it's still very much with us. And, you know, I think it is going to be something to bear in mind kind of going forward. Yeah, I think it's a struggle, isn't it, to, to get a hold of that narrative. And there's still bull traders who, who want to hold on to the bullish narrative. And it, it's, a bit of, it's a bit of a struggle. But I've got to say that the committed length in the front rent spread into expiry 
is, is clearly still there. And that's why we've got such an aggressive bounce back. It, it led the way down to like, you know, the 70s, bounced all the way back to like 130 now. So that, that seems like it will expire quite strong. Mm-hmm. But going forward, it doesn't look like the market really has any sense of certainty in the strength that it did only, only a month ago. And that's kind of the general theme of markets, right? Yeah, generally. And I think because OPEC Plus, you know, the IEA, the EIA, are all, you know, forecasting the supply glut, especially in Q1. So I think, you know, that's going to really weigh. Um, I mean, this is not so much of a surprise for us in our, in our research, but it's, it's amazing how sudden the sentiment shift can happen. It was the tight, they were going to go to 120, and then, you know, a week later, it's supply glut, oversupply, and it's, it's just classic. And now, as you said at the very beginning, we've got to see what OPEC do now. Mm-hmm. And there's some talk about OPEC wanting to retaliate potentially. But I think that goes against what they've, their philosophy this year, which has been, nope, we said we were going to steadily increase. We're not doing anything wrong. We're actually increasing oil to the market. Mm-hmm. People want us to do this quicker. But look, everything, let's do it steadily. Mm-hmm. And they were actually talking about the fears of oversupply. So I, I think if they were to suddenly over, like really aggressively get market share now or cut now, I think that would be a move away from their philosophy, which is, we're not bad for the market. We're just trying to create an orderly market. It would be, be a very retaliatory measure, I think. But, but let's see. I think it's a lot more of an uncertain meeting than it was the last time around. So, yeah. so let's see. <laughs> okay, so let's dive a bit more into the more granular side of things uh, and the oil swaps. So on the research, Sarah, generally in the last week or so, what, what have you been seeing? Yeah, so... Bringing back what we were saying earlier, you know, seeing this length being added onto contracts and then seeing a retraction, seeing the contracts getting lighter again and then seeing kind of that length coming back in. I think we're kind of seeing that volatility throughout the oil complex and, you know, not just spanning crude, but oil products as well. So very much governed by this kind of sentiment uncertainty. You're seeing it in the people selling out their longs, then coming back in again, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, especially one, you know, when we're looking at gas oil, um, gas oil, it's very much, you know, alongside natural gas, we're seeing that gas oil was, you know, very much correlated to its pricing. So because, you know, in the market, the sentiment was that, you know, with natural gas prices, um, you know, excelling, and they were really, you know, pushing this narrative, we're not going to have enough, you know, natural gas over winter, you know, gas oil is a natural kind of feedstock that we kind of go into the power supply blend for demand. So, it's, you know, we were seeing this a lot, a lot of support kind of being driven onto gas oil. So then this led to a lot of length. Mm-hmm. So with this, we saw prices increase along with, um, you know, say LNG and TTF, but it has since kind of started decoupling. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of just feeling that, you know, with, along with crude and natural gas, they both have come off and we have seen a lot of these, you know, lengths kind of coming out of the market. Mm. And, you know, especially when we're looking at, say, um, commitment trader reports, you know, we've been seeing, you know, a lot of, you know, length been taken out of the European gas crack. Mm. So they've been net long for a long time. And we're now starting to see, you know, gas, gas oil actually decoupling from natural gas. So when we're seeing natural gas move higher, we're not necessarily seeing these moves in gas oil. So we've been seeing, you know, this length being taken out, out of gas oil, but then when we're actually looking at the um, east-west contract, mm. we're actually seeing the um, open interest average compared to the five years, last five years, sorry, it's extremely high. It's over 200% higher than what we mm. would have, you know, that we would typically see for open interest yes. um, within that basis. So it's really kind of starting to see all these kind of 
breakdowns between you know the outright cracks and then actually like product spreads. Well, this is it. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing you said there was you know, we've got the gas oil crack rally from kind of uh, a seemingly speculative length, and what that did is clearly open up an incentive to move barrels to the west. So the forward market priced this great level on the cracks or great gas oil level. Then east-west starts going massively big. People start piling into the east-west uh, because clearly the level is attractive. It's like around minus minus twelve-ish, that type of thing, mm-hmm. um, at the moment. But clearly, you know, with with so much priced in, and with them able to lock it in on the paper contracts, forward uh, contracts, they're obviously going to commit to moving those barrels over, or at least have the option to move those barrels over because they've bought bought the east-west contracts. So it's one of these kind of it's, it's a great example of how we say forward markets really can drive physical and it's a big shift in the last five or so years because paper volumes have gotten so much greater and so much more liquid than they were before that if you price in something like they have with the gas oil cracks you've got to be careful because that opens up physical arbitrages all over the place and that's clearly well it suggests from what you're saying in the research that that's what's happened but um yeah anything else aside from gas oil yeah, so we've been also seeing this happen on propane as well. So mm-hmm. when we're looking at propane, propane's been you know, seeing lackluster builds in US stocks um, over the last couple of months. It's not something that's new. So there has been a lot of net length within the market. But um, if I just pull up um, our more recent research, so when we're looking at our COT dashboards, so this is our, you know, looking at our open interest and looking at the speculative length within the market as well, you know, we can kind of see that you know, with the price decline in, say, you know, I'm looking here at the November contract for C3 LST, mm-hmm. you know, prices have come down so much that the longs that were entered in um, kind of like a uh, fast and medium pace, which is the last three months or six months, mm-hmm. those longs are actually now at the market. So if out you were... Out the money. Out the money, sorry. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, so it's, it's kind of really showing that, you know, we saw that big sell-off and... You know, it spooked people, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's, you know, when someone starts selling, you get someone else following. So it's just, you know, you don't want to be out of the money. So yeah. it's, it's very much kind of that narrative of, you know, fundamentally the propane market is strong. But then, you know, it's, it's kind of splitting kind of like the thought process of what is happening here. The fundamental market is strong, but then it's, you know, no one wants to be out no, of it's money. A, it's, a great, so. it's a great point. And I think, again, so what, what Sarah's alluding to is, is it, on the Onyx Insight research, we're able to uh, determine if the market's long or short by netting out kind of the market making trading we're doing. So if we take out our positions as the, as the traders who take the other side of most of the trades, mm-hmm. we can see how the market's positioned. And, and, and CC3 LST, exactly as you say, I mean, I'm looking at the same data now, and yeah, we, we were, we've, the market's generally been very long um, for quite some time this year and done very well. The price has gone up. The average entry levels mm-hmm. were kind of on a nine-month basis were around $1.15 per, per gallon, uh, with the current price you know, a bit higher than that. But then, as you say, whatever spooked people must have been the draws or, or a, a shift in sentiment, that led to a couple of people stopping out or, or at least taking profit. And then there was, a, there was this rush to stop out or, or at least protect the profits that they've made. And as you say, we're now looking at the entry prices here, kind of ranging from 115 to 140, depending, you know, how, when they entered. And they're starting to be out of the money. So it's not surprising that there was this rush to sell because you've got to hold on to this now. If, if you still believe in propane, you've got to ride out this volatility into the end of the year 
but the unfortunate thing, I guess, is if you get paid at the end of December, you know, that's your bonus. And, you know, it, you want to you wanna crystallize your year, monetize your year. And you might have to wait until Q1 now for this to be realized. So that all goes into the trader's mindset of, of when to take profit and how to manage this. So that is really, really very, uh, very interesting. And the other one I had a question on, myself and Benny were talking at the beginning of uh, a couple of weeks ago, about the fuel oil market very unexpectedly yeah. uh, falling off. I mean, what have you seen there in the, in the numbers? Is it the same thing? Yeah, so it's, it's really similar in fuel oil. So fuel oil, like, like gas oil, was really kind of talked up with the narrative of, you know, being used as, you know, within power generation. It's not something that's new. It's something that can be substituted. So, you know, when natural gas prices were high and like over the winter, people were expecting, you know, fuel oil would go into the mix of this. So I think it was um, just at nearing the end of October that we then, you know, the market was tight, we're feeling this, but then all of a sudden Kuwait came into the market and they were exporting. Mm. So this kind of put like a flurry of, you know, supply into the market. So with that, that completely spooked the market. Yeah. Everyone then started selling off again. So but it was so aggressive that it was, it was quite clear that the market was long. And that's again what the data, our data is showing, that the market was long. And some people were trying to claim that it was a short, that people were getting short, but it was so aggressive and so quick. I don't think that backs up. It certainly doesn't back up with what we're seeing on our data. So it's definitely suggestive stopouts. Yeah. It just looks as if people were just kind of, you know, getting rid of their length. And, you know, when we're looking at, you know, I'm looking at the um, the open interest above the five-year average. So say at the end of October we're at five percent. So that was everyone, you know, we're five percent over average. And we have to bear in mind that three point five percent fuel oil is something that's, you know, now on we're a bit moving. Of decline, yeah. Exactly. We're moving on to 0.5. We're not seeing as much open interest as we typically would compared mm. to our other years. So for it to be five years above um, five years, sorry, five percent above the open interest average, mm. it's you know, that's quite significant because yeah. we definitely throughout, you know, through doing these reports, especially months back before this whole kind of narrative over the winter supply glut it was very much in negative numbers. But now, you know, as of, you know, November 24th, when our last report went out, um, you know, we're 15% below the five-year average. So it's really kind of showing how, how spooked really the market really was. And actually, not, you know, we're, we're back into that negative territory. Wow, that's great. I think the other thing is, just to wrap this theme up, is that but when markets get lighter mm-hmm. from the long side, like less heavily weighted on the long side, more balanced positioning, they are free to rebound. But a lot more, and we generally have seen that on fuel on the bounce. We've got a bit of a bounce back. Most markets we've had a bit of a bounce back in the very prompt. Mm-hmm. I think the general theme is still a hell of a lot of uncertainty. So, no, thanks. That's, a, that's, that's really great. Okay, so moving a bit away from the markets now, uh, more on the personal side. So, it's interesting because, um, Sarah, you, you come very much from a supply and demand background. Uh, you were at Platts, mm-hmm. uh, kind of journalist type thing, and, and, and your thinking was very much geared towards supply and demand fundamentals driving markets. And, and you've had a bit of a culture shock when you, since you joined Onyx. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how, do think, how, like, how do you think it's gone? Like, it's been almost, it's been a year now, right? And, and, and you very much seem to be very fluent with it. You've picked it up. It's been amazing to see. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm curious because someone's so in that fo- focused mindset. <laughs> To shift, how's it yeah. been? I mean, if we started pulling up some of my reports that I was sending to you in the beginning, I would just, I, please don't show me again. Um, yeah, it's been, I think it was such a shift. I think because, you know, at Onyx, you get such a unique position of, you know, seeing all these flows. And I think, especially with all our research, you know, that we're now doing, it's, you know, it's really opened a completely different side of the market that I never really saw. And I think, you know, when you're very focused on supply, def- supply demand fundamentals, you, you don't always bring in the narrative of thinking of, you know, 
oh, a price is moving, or you know, is this you know, is this supply demand? It's never going to be the case of, is this their year end bonus? <laughs> like you know, so it was just something that yeah, was yeah. like more the, practical it, side. Of oh, completely. Yeah. And I think you know, it's opened up to the trader psychology, which you know, mm. um, you guys have always spoken about, um, you know, really quite a lot, and you know, a lot of the videos and everything. I would definitely say to go check that out. And it's, yeah, I think it's it's been such a unique experience as well because you know, I think. Sometimes you can get so bogged down in supply um, and demand, and it is interesting now when you look at headlines because you're actually like, wait, actually, how is this going to actually impact the market? Because I think, you know, the cyber attack on the Colonial Pipeline, I think, is mm -hmm. one example. Um, you know, when this happened in May, it's something that you would expect, you know, e-bulb cracks and everything to kind of really, you know, roof. So my expectation was that when I read that headline, but then actually what happened is that, you know, there was not a lot of net length on eBob, so there wasn't really that much of a reaction. But then on the ARB, the market was basically short. So then that's actually where you saw the prices roofing. So it was like, yeah. you actually, it, it's actually market positioning really does play into that. And I think, you know, if you don't have that clear view of that, it can be very difficult or you can, you know, be caught off guard, I guess, on actually how a market is positioned and it can go against fundamentals. Mm. And that was just something to me that was, you know, completely new. <laughs> but you've definitely picked it up. It's, it's been really uh, impressive to see. The other thing is, um, I wanted your opinion on this. Like when we have junior traders come in in particular and like you, you, you're experienced and senior analyst yourself, but there was still a bit of a hesitancy to want to have a view because you're thinking, you know, hesitant, like we, I'm not a trader and what, why should I have a view? But have you, yeah. have you gotten across or have you become more comfortable looking at things objectively and being able to have, be very confident, more confident in your view? Is that, has that changed? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, data really empowers you with that. And I think when, you know, when you are having a view, it's not just being like, I think this. Mm. Why? I think it. You know, you, you need to have something to back that up. Yeah, yeah. So it's very much, you know, it's using everything to your, well, to your power, really, that you can use. And, I think especially doing our research and then but also kind of using these headlines and supply demand because I think you know as much as you know I think swap positionings are so important it is very you know you are going to get sentiment driven through from headlines mm. so it is very much they come as a pairing but I think you know you can sometimes swing one in the other because I think you know if you do have a you know a headline that is going to really change sentiment in the market how spooked are people going to be what, what would your advice be to someone looking maybe up and coming in your industry and having the same thoughts or so same hesitancy what would you what would you advise to get more comfortable yeah i think you know it's is really delving into the trading data i think sometimes you can get very bogged down into just looking into supply and demand fundamentals and just thinking that's the sole driver of the market mm. but there is so much more to it as well so i think it is just kind of really gearing yourself with all the available data that you can get mm. really look at open interest and how this kind of impacts contracts look at the longs and shorts within the market and you know really delve deeper into how what your understanding of that is and then actually have that wider you know knowledge of how contracts are positioned because I think you know when you are looking at particular oil products is that you do have you know you know for gas nap for instance mm. you you know what happens in gasoline will have you know will have some sort of impact in that in naphtha mm. so it's almost you know you understanding do have the knock-on effects completely. by the way the contracts are designed yeah exactly and it's it's just looking at these kind of different avenues that mm. actually you know, you could, so there's bearish news here and how is that actually going to filter through into something else? Now you talk very fluently about it and I think, I guess what you're saying is you're getting confidence by more understanding, feel like you understand it more. But, but I think there's something to be said 
that you know, really no one knows. So it's all about hypothesizing. I mean, that's what any scientist would do. They look at something and say, well, I don't know, but I've got these signals, and my hypothesis is that these signals will impact the market this way, mm-hmm. so I'm going to make a prediction, I'm gonna, or I'm going to make a claim, and we're going to test that claim. And that's really what having a view and trading on a view mm-hmm. is all about. You know? yeah. And you get confidence the more you do it, as long as you're objective about, okay, that didn't happen the way I expected to. What other objective piece of information, like you're saying, can I look at to gear me the next time. And as long as you're doing that constant improvement, I think literally anyone and everyone can, can get a grasp of this. And, and that's really what I try and empower junior traders when they come in, uh, when they do a bit of prop trading, that kind of thing. Get your mindset in. You, know, you have the right to have a view and you have the right to call it. I mean, you just need to do the work. And um, I think you very much... You very much uh, got a grasp on that, which is which is great to Get see. Getting there, getting Get there. Yeah. But then I think you know something to add on that as well. I think it is you know things that happen in the market. It can be a trend. You know there is seasonal pat- patterns to oil markets. So I think you know it's always not having you know always kind of learn from your peers on that. So it's understanding you know why is this happening? Because oh, it's because actually there's a seasonal patterns and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's just. You know, there's heaps of different ways and avenues that you can kind of, you know, gear yourself with all. I think another thing I'd like to add, just as I hear you talk, it's it's a humility. Like we always talk about humility in in Onyx because humility doesn't mean oh I'm just a really nice person. It, it means you have the ability to say I don't I'm not the perfect article. I don't really I don't 100% know ever. So it's about saying okay how could I be wrong and going looking at what you, the decisions you made and trying to refine them and, and looking and as you said learning from your colleagues. That's such a great thing to say, and I think people need to really hear that. You know, if you have that humility, take someone like Sarah, who's never traded before, in this very granular, granular niche, and has picked it up very quickly because she's had this kind of humble mindset. I think it's, it's really great, and it kind of encompasses what Onyx is all about. So thanks very much, Sarah, for coming on. We're going to leave it there. So that brings us to the end of this episode of Oilcast. Be sure to tune in next week for more of the same. Yeah, and make sure to check out Flux.live. And then please do reach out if you'd like to see any of our research on Onyx Insight. You can also follow us on social media, uh, searching Flux Liquidity Hub on Instagram and Flux-Live on LinkedIn. Thanks very much and see you next week. Thank you.